1: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are doing our final punt series guide. We're punting points. We're going to learn how to do it, what to avoid, and finish it off with a mock draft. Let's go!
0: Vince, Jordan open. Chicago with the lead. Brian,
1: to a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at ball boys fantasy. And like we said, this is the final uh, punt strategy, guys, series, uh, video episode, podcast that we're going to be doing. And we're talking about uh, punting points. Now, if you haven't already, feel free to go and check out, check out our punt assists, our punt field goal percentage, our punt free throw percentage videos and also our general punt strategy guide podcast as well. They are all part of this little mini-series where we are learning how to master the punting strategy in fantasy basketball, which is a big strategy that I'm a huge fan of, especially when it comes to -to head-to-head league's in category leagues. So, now, if you're a, a, a points league player, these videos don't apply to you, obviously. You're not going to be punting points in a points league. You want to get the most amount of points possible. But in a category league, um, the punts points strategy is one that is often underappreciated, underused, and I think it is undervalued as well. Um, and we're going to talk about exactly what the advantages, disadvantages how to do it, what to avoid, and a mock draft at the end of today. So let's get stuck into it straight away. If you have enjoyed these punt series as well, guys, make sure you uh, please give this video a thumbs up and make sure you guys are subscribed as well. Um, so that you guys, we've got heaps coming up in this pre season, uh, before the NBA season starts, and plenty once the season gets going. So let's get into it. Punting points what are the advantages? The main advantage is that everybody loves points. Points, points, points. They're the biggest thing that people are drawn to when looking at a stat sheet. They're the number one thing that when we are considering our players, it's the first category that we look at. It often, when we're talking about fantasy basketball, it is the category that takes priority over other categories because... Um, the second point here, because it is so hard to find in big volume after the first four rounds, because a lot of the best players in fantasy basketball score a lot of points. So if you are not competitive in that category in the first half, first third of the draft, it's more than likely that you're not going to be able to make up that category because you're not going to be able to find a 25 point per game scorer in the 8th round or the ninth round and if you are they're going to provide you zero other categories help Um, so you're going to be giving up a lot of other things in that respect so When we talk about points, it is by far the most um, difficult category to build later on. It is also the category that most people want to be competitive in because if we're talking about punting field goal percentage or punting free throw percentage, um, punting assists, all these categories rely on you being strong in points to beat other teams that are maybe punting similar categories or different categories. It seems to always be the category that a few things come down to. So when you ignore it, you're looking at a very different board compared to a lot of other people going to the draft. And that, at the end of the day, is the whole point and whole value of punting in general. So it's not often done. It's probably one of the, the, the least common punting strategies out there. And for that reason, it can have a big advantage as well. So the other thing I also really like about punting points is that there are lots of different pairings of different categories that work effectively. You can punt points and threes. You can punt points and free throw percentage. You, you could punt points, and you could also punt um, something like, what was I going to say? Assists as well. So there's a few different ways you can pair them together and a few different builds that, you know, if you wanted to lean more into the big guys, lean more into the guards, you can definitely do that. Um, and still be very successful in this one. You don't sort of feel like you're, you know, it's less likely you're going to accidentally find yourself punting four different categories in a build like this, like some of the other ones that we've talked about so far. You've still got a bit more leeway and options to move around as well. And also on top of this, I find that you're naturally going to be higher, uh, sorry, better, more competitive in turnovers, and naturally going to be better in defensive stats. Those two things often... Uh, pair really well with this punt strategy because if players aren't out there scoring, they've got to be providing value to NBA teams somehow, and usually it is in being efficient. It's usually in being a really good defensive player, and often when they don't have the ball in their hands a lot and they're not scoring a lot, they also are not turning the ball over as well. So naturally, you'll find those two categories or those three categories, I should say, are, are, are better in this type of punt build without having to worry about it t- too much. What about the disadvantages and why why don't people go to punting points more often? Because of, you know, there's a few... Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo
0: code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term
1: commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
0: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt.
1: Good advantages there. Why don't people do it uh, more often? It, in my opinion, it's the hardest punt strategy to wrap your head around because, like we sort of said, everyone loves points. <laughs> we always, um, you know, we, we are drawn to it. But on top of that, like we said, the best players in fantasy basketball score points. So when we talk about punting it as a category, there is a lot of an idea of saying, okay, I've got to get players who don't score a lot of points, but that's not exactly. The right mindset for this category, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that when we go to look at the best players or the top twenty-five and and their weaknesses and points and and who had that as their worst category. And there's a bit of a lesson in, in that one there as well. But it's it's the hardest one to wrap your head around. And when we go through this strategy guide video today, I'm hoping that you'll leave after watching this or listening to this and sort of have a better understanding on the exact strategy of what we're trying to be doing here. Because I think a few people may have tried it in the past and probably gone about it the wrong way or attacked it or thought about it from the beginning in a, in the wrong sense. And that's kind of led to the downfall in terms of execution. But when it's executed properly, we can do really good things. And then I also, probably the, the main, I guess, you know objective disadvantage to this one is that it can, because you're targeting players that might not necessarily score in bunches and, and score high volumes and, and get shots up, you are often more susceptible to fluctuations in your percentages. So, for example, when I get someone like a Shea Gilders-Alexander who scores me 32 points, but he also gets to the line 10, 11 times a game, he has a great field goal percentage on 20 attempts. So that provides me a bit more insulation with my percentages that even if some of my other players having a down week or whatever, if he's having a a hot week and, and he's shooting at a really high percentage, he's doing it on high volume. So that's going to protect me from those natural kind of ups and downs throughout the regular season that do occur. If I don't have those kind of heavy hitters at the start of my draft, those kind of small fluctuations can be more felt more with a team that doesn't have those kind of a players. So that is definitely something to consider when we're doing a punt point strategy um, and is probably one of the disadvantages of this particular punt builds. All right, let's look at, like we talked about just before the top 25 players from last year who had the points category as their worst category in fantasy basketball and the answer here as people can see on the screen already the answer is nobody um there is no one in the top 25 fantasy contributors last year that their worst contribution in uh fantasy was points in fact the worst the only player actually that that i would have to go down as far as Geez, I don't think there's anyone else inside the top 100. Draymond Green, even his worst category was threes made. So he, even though you think about him as an 8.5 points per game scorer, his worst category was threes. Um, In fact, yeah, I don't think inside the top 100... Oh, no, I found someone. It was DeLon Wright, who last year put up 7.4 points per game. His worst category was points. But outside of him, no one else inside the top 100 had points as their lowest category in terms of you know, contributing to their overall fantasy stat set. So when we're thinking about punting points, we're not thinking about trying to draft players where points are their worst category because you won't find them. What we're trying to consider when we're punting points is the difference between the player you're drafting at that position and the other players being drafted around that position. So... Not necessarily their total points value, but the, the uh, I guess, relative value to the people around them. So, for example, when I look at the um, first round, if I look at the, the best ranked players in fantasy basketball last year, you know, we've got players like Embiid, we've got players like Jokic, We've got players, um, let me go through the first run. actually. I'll let me get myself sorted as I pull up this list here. We've got Jokic, Embiid, Shea, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Tyrese Halliburton, Jason Tatum, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jimmy Butler. Now, of those players, we've got one, two, three, four, f- nearly five players that are scoring 30 points per night. We've got an extra one, two three players scoring over 25 points per night, and then we've got a few players that are in the lower 20s. So you would say someone who's scoring 20 points per game, that's still a very good positive contribution to points. Great. But in the first round, when you compare them to some of those other guys who are scoring 30 points, you're already basically 10 points behind those other guys. And... for me to then go into the second round and if they're drafting someone who still scores 20 points, I've got to score get a guy who's draft, who's scoring 30 points for me to just to break even with those teams. So that's when we talk about it being the hardest category to catch up and make up because when we have those guys in the first round that are so dominant in that category and you're getting a guy who's 10 points away From them, it's difficult to make up because you're not going to get many opportunities to to make that, um, you know, to catch that up. And often it leads to guys who do put up big points going earlier than what their overall value should actually uh, allow. So when you draft someone like a Tyrese Halliburton who scores 21 points per game, but you're drafting him instead of getting a Steph Curry who scores 30. That's when you sort of start to go, okay, even though he scores 20 points per game, that's great. I'm going to punt points because instead of me chasing 30 points in my next round, round two or round three, I'm going to just get the next guy who's still really good value. Maybe he doesn't score as much as these these other guys, or maybe, you know, he might score 20, 25 points per game, but it's still not enough for me to catch up with those other guys who drafted Embiid or drafted Shea or drafted, you know, someone like. Uh, Damian Lillard, for example, or all of these other guys, so Jason Tatum, who are scoring 30 a night. Um, so that that key distinction, I think, is very important for us to really appreciate, that we're not looking for poor point scorers, but we're just mindful of where the player that we're drafting in that round, what his scoring is like, compared to the other people being drafted around him. So make sure if you forget everything else, I think that's the main takeaway when considering the punt points strategy. All right, so let's talk about the players who benefit the most inside the top 100 because obviously players who don't score any points benefit great because obviously, you know, you're not you're not uh, worried about that, but they are all probably down the list in the rankings. So of the top 100, Tyrese Halliburton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Nicholas Claxton, Fred Van Vliet, James Harden, Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner, Walker Kessler, Chris Paul, and OG Ananobi. Now, when we look at that list, the main thing that sticks out to me, compared to the other lists that we talked about with punting assists, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, of this list, this is by far the most balanced of all of the guys who benefit the most in a particular punt build. We've got four guards, we've got five bigs, and we've got one wing in OG Ananobi in this list. Whereas the assists, for example, all 10 of them were guards. i oh, sorry, all 10 of them were bigs. In the punt field goal percentage, they were all guards. In the punt free throw percentage, most of them were, were bigs with a, a couple of exceptions. So that leads me to think that there is a nice balanced approach with this punt strategy that I can get different stat sets at different points in the draft that makes my team more competitive in six or seven categories versus being having to be very careful to make sure that I don't accidentally punt four categories and, and find myself in a situation that I didn't quite plan for. So, you know, if you get a Tyrese Halliburton early, you know, you don't have to then follow it up with uh, a big man. You could get a guard. You could go a big man because you might be able to get a few of those guys later in the draft. All these players in this list... You know, spread out throughout the drafts fairly, fairly um, reasonably. So it, it definitely is a an advantage of this category and this punt strategy. So let's move on to the common mistakes that people make. So again, like we sort of spoke about before, the best players in fantasy basketball they score a lot of points. So the biggest mistake is people who you're ignoring players who um, score lots of points. So remember, we're not trying to be the worst team at scoring. We are just simply trying to be the team that ignores that as the main contributor. Like we sort of said, as one of the negatives in this category, the percentages are really vital when doing this um, strategy because you're not going to have that insulation naturally when you're ignoring the points um, scoring because you're not as caught up in high volume, high usage players. So those players tend to swing a little bit more week to week. Uh, a bit more volatile in the percentages. So making sure that, you know, you might need to get someone who scores a lot of points because he does that and he does that efficiently and he insulates you in high free throw percentage volume, high field goal percentage volume. Um, Yeah, he scores a lot of points. That's not too valuable to you, but those other categories are really valuable. So again, if we're just trying to focus on those guys who are lower point scorers, maybe they get a lot of assists or steals or blocks. But that leaves your percentages quite uh, vulnerable to um, you know a lot of volatility during the season. So that's definitely a big, big one and one that we'll focus in on when we do some uh, mock drafts today and in the future as well. And then the last thing here I've got is kind of an opposite to the few things that we talked about the last time and not identifying the need to punt other categories soon enough. So sometimes this, the, the risk in the other ones is you find yourself accidentally punting four categories because... You know, the guards have all been elevated in a punt field goal percentage build. So you've not looked after your rebounds, blocks, uh, or, or turnovers as well. So you've got four categories that you've sort of uh, left by the wayside. This one here, sometimes we get caught out in trying to do and take on too much because we're punting points. Maybe we're trying to look after both percentages equally, which can be tough to do. Um, you know, Maybe we're trying to look after our turnovers a little bit too much. Maybe we're trying to look after our threes a little bit too much, and it can be a hard balance between having good three-point um, performance and good field goal percentage. So we might have to pick and choose one of those two categories. So just being aware of when to cut bait with certain other categories to pair it, um, with the punt point strategy that's really important to make sure that you're on top of as well because you know punting one category is great but I think often we've got to try and choose two categories to punt um, turnovers might not be the best one to go with this build maybe it is maybe like a, a field goal percentage a free throw percentage or a threes. like Those are kind of the ones that we might be looking at as well as depending on where and what players fall to you at different spots in the draft. So I think that one is another big one to stay on top of when when we are talking about uh, mistakes that people make. Make sure that you're not afraid to um, also punt something else if the opportunity does arise. All right, let's move on into going over to Basketball Monster, which we have been doing in these last couple of episodes. All right, we should be over here on Basketball Monster now. So, let's have a look. Okay, we're going to punt the points here. Again, I might just refresh Basketball Monster. Sometimes it kicks me off. Uh, Okay, no, we're all good. So, we're punting the points category here, and we are also, like always, putting the turnovers to 0.25. Now, similar to the punt assist build, we are probably going to be naturally very high uh, or, or good in turnovers, i.e. low in turnovers, because again, we're getting low usage players and they tended to not turn the ball over too much. So again, though, when we look at the rankings from last year, we often think of Tyrese Halliburton as a guy who, you know, benefits in a, in a punt strategy like this, but he's still only eighth in rankings from last year. You're still looking at players like Jokic, B. Durant, Shea, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Lillard, all these guys are still up there. James Harden boosts up. And you'll notice here on the gain from punts section over here, they're all negatives, right? Because all these players at the start still score a lot of points, but they're still high enough up the board that they're going to be still the best players to draft early on. So it's not until we come down to a player like Brook Lopez, do we actually see someone gain anything from it? But... Even he only gains, you know, 0.1. It's more about the players who lose more and the players who lose less. That creates the value, if that makes sense. It's not necessarily about increasing the value about players, but it's about devaluing other players that score a lot. I hope that makes a lot of sense, but it's a, it's a slightly different way to think about it when we're talking about this strategy compared to some of the field goal percentage or free throw percentage categories as well. So um, I just think that's a nice, interesting thing to point out there. So for this mock draft, again, we're going to just, I think of these players that are going to go into the first round this season, um, I think Tyrese Halliburton is definitely one. I think I'd be pretty happy to draft over a Dame, a Steph, an Anthony Davis, and a Kevin Durant just because of some of those risk factors. And if we talk about the punt value over here, you know league value, he's at one point oh nine. Remember, I think he also gets some um, advantage because he does turn the ball over fewer than some of these other guys. So by also putting that f- turnovers down by to zero point two five, his value is not quite as high. Um, but that we will reap the benefit of that moving forward. So say we're drafting him, you know at. Pick five or six, I think it's probably about where I'd, I'd be looking at him. He's a, someone that I would straight away be kind of thinking, okay, he's, he's scoring maybe 21, 22 points per game, compared to Shea, who's scoring close to 30, compared to Jokic, who, you know, maybe he's a candidate as well, but he's still scoring about 25, so five, you know, three to five more than us. And B's scoring nearly, you know, more than 10 points than we are. A little bit later in the, in the draft is, you know, he scored 32 points last year. So these guys are going to outscore me. If I come now down to the second round, again, it's going to be a similar kind of list of players here, but now I can start to target players that might start to move up. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr., he might be going a little bit earlier by the time I can get him, So, but if he falls, he would be a perfect player for me because, again, probably not going to score much more than 20 points per game, which, again, still good, but um, compared to some of these other guys like uh, a Kawhi Leonard, like a Donovan Mitchell, like a Paul George later on. Um, You know, all these kind of players later, Trey Young, for example, he's not going to be scoring anywhere near as much, but he's going to give me elite blocks. He's going to give me elite threes, good percentages in my free throws, good percentages in my field goal, gives me a steal um, uh, per game as well. So he's kind of the perfect guy. If he is not there, then we might look at someone else. Now, again, we want to shore up our percentages. So we might look at someone Maybe like a Kyrie Irving who sometimes slips in the second round. He he's still one that benefit you. Think about Kyrie, he scores 27 points per game. He's a great player in this build. He's excellent in his field goal. He's a he's a really good anchor for our free throw percentage as well. Gives us good um, steals, rebounds for a guard, 5.5 assists. So don't feel like you have to, you know, avoid players that score 27 points per game. And again, this is another thing that you can kind of not lock yourself into. If you find that guys that are scoring well are falling in your draft, you might find yourself actually decently competitive in points. It's just simply valuing players without that, and you might look at the board a little bit differently. So Kyrie Irving's is definitely someone we could consider. Um, maybe you might consider someone like a DeMontis Sabonis. Again, really good field goal percentage. A great assists and rebounds guy. Um, his free throw percentage has slowly improved over time, but again... Still something we need to take uh, into account. It's not a huge negative. It's not one of those big red numbers. So I think it's maintainable and manageable. Um, You know, lacks the threes, but we could probably get that a little bit later. So he's a good candidate. And then probably a little early for Miles Turner, you might be able to get him in the third. And a few of these other guys might also be available in the third. So really we're looking at some of those guys, maybe Jimmy Butler, but the second round probably doesn't change all that much. Maybe you're looking a bit more at a Fred Van Vliet. In Houston, again, the percentages is field goals. We're going to have to make sure we we look at that, but there are a few guys. Field goal percentage is probably a little bit more um, fixable later than, than a poorer free throw percentage because you do get some guys at the back end of the draft that, put up some really good field goal percentage. If we look down a little bit further into the third round, we might now start to be able to look at players like a Miles Turner. Um, You know, if you want to really go early on someone like a Walker Kessler in this type of a build, this is where I don't mind it as much. Again, be aware of the free throw percentage um, and the lack of assists and steals and things like that might be where you start to think about maybe some other punts. But if you start out with the Halliburton, those assists are a little bit more manageable. Um, you will look at someone like a Claxton Again, big negative in free throw percentage, something that with our build is going to be harder to deal with. Um, so you might either start to look at a punt free throw percentage and a punt points build. Definitely a play. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes. So if we you know haven't drafted, we went Sabonis, Claxton. Our uh, threes are looking pretty poor at that stage. So again, you start to look at punt threes, points, free throw percentage. Potentially, it could definitely be an option. Um, so he's someone to consider. Someone like a you know Vucevic boosts up a little bit. I'm a little bit down on Vucevic this year, just in general. Um, who else have we got here? So you'll look and see Booker's down a little bit. So he's not someone too valuable to us. Trey Young's down a little bit. So again, not too valuable. Anthony Edwards. Uh, is down a little bit. Look, Brook Lopez is there. This is last season's numbers. I'm expecting him to progress a little bit, so we're going to ignore him there. But you can probably start to look at players even like a Chet Holmgren is another guy who wouldn't be on this list because this is last year's rankings. He's definitely someone to de- to consider at this point as well. Really good across the board. Doesn't score a lot of points, but should be solid. Won't hurt your percentages. OG Ananobi, again, really good steals, great threes, should maybe feel like he gets more assists this year with no Fred Van Vliet there. So we've got a few options. And then in the fourth round, we, we've, we'll have bigs kind of throughout the whole the whole draft that we can look at. Players like a Rudy Gobert, like a Mitchell Robinson. Again, these are those guys that really do give us some really big boost to our field goal percentage. So that's why I feel more comfortable getting someone like a um, Fred Van Vliet in this situation earlier than someone like, Uh, Claxton, for example who's probably equal or or close to equal in negatives field goal percentage versus free throw percentage but I feel better about making that up than I do then making up the um, field goal sorry the free throw percentage so that's something also to keep in mind so again we're not targeting those players that score really poorly we are targeting guys that do give us a lot of other things, though, in terms of your rebounds, your your assists, your steals, your blocks, your field goal percentage, your free throw percentage, threes. It's a really, really nice strategy, I think, in my mind, but it is probably, again, harder to wrap your head around. And again, just be aware of those percentages because without those high-volume, high-usage players, you will um, find yourself potentially being a bit more susceptible to volatility week-to-week in a head-to-head setting. So... Tell me what you think about the punt point strategy. Have I convinced any of you guys to, to give it a try this year if you've never given it a try last year? Um, I did the I did a punt point strategy in the um, FBI World Cup last year when I started with Ataris Halliburton. Um, did, did pretty well, got through the first round, got knocked out in the second round by a very interesting uh, punt uh, guards team which got me in steals at the end of the day. But... Um, yeah, I think it's definitely a viable strategy, and the more practice you do, I think the better you'll get at it, and um, it can be quite powerful. So, let us know what you think down in the comments below, guys. If you enjoyed this punt series, give me a big thumbs up in the video, and make sure you guys are subscribed. Next week, we're going to be doing our first mock draft. I'm going to be having the great Josh Lloyd joining us on the show. We're also going to be going and previewing some really early sleepers, busts, and some deep uh, sleepers, some late round flyers that we might be have, able to have a look at. Um, you know, things might change, but always good to get an early look on where things are. So if you guys are enjoying it, again, make sure you subscribe. Give, uh, give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as well. Stay tuned to me on Twitter. The season guide is coming out soon and um, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.
0: The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just 2 months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich.